Okay, hey guys, welcome to Consume, a podcast by me, Burton Olivier, where I talk about all the things I consume, <laughs> and I guess go ahead and get it right out of the way, I'm not feeling it this week, it is, it has been a, uh, I feel like rough isn't the right word, it's just been a bad <laughs> week, uh, mentally, um, it's all just me being stressed out about things that, uh, that job that I applied for, or that the interview for, and I was dreading, um, still hasn't gotten back to me. They said they were going to get back to me, uh, late last week or early this week. It's now Tuesday. And so I expected them to call either Friday or Monday and like both days. And today I've like had my phone on do not disturb and I've tried to not like not look at my phone as much as possible just so that like the call will go to voicemail and I don't have to answer like say yes or no right away I want to be able to like hear them say on the voicemail what they uh if they want me or not uh so I can like go from there and like I should just take it if they offer it to me it's not it doesn't seem like it's a hard job might be some valuable experience at least experience that's not maintenance that I don't want to do anymore but I just like I really don't want to work <laughs> at all i don't want to do anything besides what i'm doing it's like it's been almost two years now so i'm just extremely used to this and the thought of like having to do my days already feel busy and the thought of like having a job on top of all the stuff that like i force myself to do (laughs) you know like all this uh, media consumption so it's a shame i'm not like better at this <laughs> or like that this isn't more popular so I can get money for it but it's also like I'm not putting in enough effort for that that's like one of my notes that I wanted to talk about it's like why am I even doing this why are you guys listening to this I guess it's you know you like me and that's nice and I appreciate it <laughs> but it's like I don't put enough I don't put enough work into this because I've been listening you know all the movies that I've watched because I'm going through the Action Boys list. And uh, so I like pretty much exclusively just listen to their podcasts. Like I'm so behind on all my other podcasts because all I'm doing is listening to Action Boys. And like each of their episodes is like two and a half, two to two to three hours long. They talk about one movie and they like endlessly dissect it. Like they know everything that happens. And it's just like, and they're like funny. And then while I'm over here, like, talking about movies that I, at best, pay, like, 75% attention to because I can't stop looking at my phone, and I end up, like, pausing it and getting up and, like, doing other stuff in the middle of it all the time. And then now I'm waiting a whole week to talk about them, so I forget even more. Uh, but I don't I, I realize I'm just being unnecessarily uh, hard on myself because, I mean, whatever, I'm 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 doing this because I think it's kind of fun and I enjoy it. And this is basically my uh, personal journal that I'm making public for the uh, <laughs> ten of you that decide to listen. Uh, and yeah, I you know I appreciate that. So yeah, that's what that's what I've been stressed out about is uh, work and my purpose and what I'm doing. Yeah, I guess I have to keep looking for jobs even though I don't want to. Uh, the like indie bookstore down the street says they're hiring uh, part-time people and I should probably send in a resume for that though I don't really like the vibe in that store it's like just a little too clean and hipstery to where whenever I walk in there I don't feel welcome so I feel like working there would make me feel weirder but also maybe it would make me feel more comfortable there and it is walking distance so I should probably send a resume just to be safe wouldn't fucking hurt Oh, you want to know a fun new thing that I've been (laughs) letting myself uh, get freaked out about? 
I meant to talk about this last week whenever I was talking about Hunt for Red October, but like, I'm behind on all my news podcasts. I don't really know exactly the ins and outs of what's going on with our geopolitical climate, but I know that like stuff with Russia is like amping up, and that freaks me out because if we go into like full blown <laughs> war with Russia, they would absolutely attack Los Angeles. Like, we have the biggest port of the in the country uh like so like they're definitely they would like if nukes were used <laughs> which i know it's i probably ridiculous for me to like freak out about nukes but like long beach is getting nuked they're gonna take out the port of los angeles like first thing at least they should they really want to like cripple us one of my i'm like on the list of uh people that the city of long beach contacts if a maintenance assistance job has an opening and one of them was for the port of long beach i was like oh that'd be kind of fun do maintenance on the docks <laughs> you know like it's like you get us clean and move stuff around and you're on a fucking dock so you probably don't have to be too thorough with your cleaning uh but it was just like no i'm gonna end up end up getting nuked while like pushing around a trash can <laughs> I don't want to do that, so I didn't apply to that job. Uh, it's like I don't know, and I feel like if if we do like go to war, part of me is going to like I'm going to want to move from Los Angeles, even though that feels ridiculous. But I also like don't know where I would go. I don't because I I don't. There's no other city that I want to live in. Everywhere else gets like snow and shit, and it gets cold. So I don't want to. I don't know. I like LA, even though COVID is like taking away most of the reasons I like LA, or at least my uh mind state when it comes to covid i was in, i was telling someone a friend of mine about like was how i'm living still and how few things i've done still since covid and it's like you're not living like you're alive it's such an annoying thing to hear it's like i like what i'm doing our definitions are different don't fucking get off my back <laughs> anyways i've used this for uh pseudo therapy enough let's get into the first section of our podcast that i'm sure uh people enjoy the least where i talk about the comics i read and the one actual book i read uh this week was it about comics yes but we'll get to that later uh so comics let's go in chronological order according to my goodreads log so first up i read crossover 11 by donny cates and drawn by jeff shaw uh and this book's fun as shit <laughs> it's real fucking stupid it's basically donny cates playing like fanfic with the entire image comic book universe because it's about like our real world and then all of a sudden a big comic book crossover pops into denver like actual cartoon comic book characters like come into our real world and they all like look like they're colored like four color printing or whatever and it's a lot of like actual characters from image comics and we've been building up there's like been this mystery this whole time of like who's killing comic book creators because like some of the comics characters like the the actual creators of the books are in this world like brian michael bendis uh in one issue gets interrogated by uh the two cops from powers the the superhero police comic that he made uh it's fun stuff and in this one we get to find out who's like the big bad character that's been killing all these comic book creators and like hunting them down and i don't want to spoil it but also i don't think anybody listening to this is like that big it's fucking uh negan from the walking dead <laughs> which i thought was cool i didn't it's like the most obvious person to think of like image comics who's like the most bloodthirsty ridiculous character uh and it's i just forgot that walking dead was image i think i i was thinking of a skybound because that's a uh, robert kirkman's like personal line uh but yeah it was cool to have like a last page reveal be negan 
and I'm just excited to see where the rest of the series goes. It's a really fun book. So yeah, four stars for that. Oh, and then I finished the second volume of Jaime Hernandez's Love and Rockets, uh, The Girl from Hoppers, his the second book in like the Locos storyline. Uh, and it's just great. It's just perfect comic. He's like really getting to the stride of like the, uh, where it's just about like the lives of the people that live in Hoppers. Like this, uh, which I think it feels like a neighborhood that's like way East LA, like pretty far outside of downtown, but like not quite Inland Empire, but you know, still pretty far out. And, uh, yeah, she's getting to like the minutia of like their personal lives and it's just great. Maggie's a great character. We got Ray, Ray D popping up in this one. Uh, he's fun. The whole like ballad of Speedy Ortiz, or I can't remember what that storyline's called. It's like the death of Speedy Ortiz or whatever. That's a great one. So, you know, just a five, that's a five star comic. And I bought the uh, the third volume from uh, Secret Hoarder, Secret Hoarder, Secret Quarter, Secret Secret Headquarters, the uh, the shop down the street. So I'm gonna start reading that soon. Uh, then I watched or watched. <laughs> then I read One Star Squadron number three by Mark Russell, drawn by Steve Lieber. Uh, and this is still a fun book. Um, it's like it's more it's like a comedy side of DC, and it's about this. Uh, there's this app called Heroes for You, which is like way for you to hire heroes for uh like to save you or for like appearances like at birthday parties and stuff and red tornado is like the head superhero in charge of like the personnel thing and so we're starting to get into like the whole conflict where it's like the app has caused some heroes to like stop a mission of saving people to go like work a birthday party because it says it's gonna pay more and corporate uh, wants to keep it going, but Superman has just, like, denounced the app, and so now Red Tornado is, like, caught in this thing where he's gonna be used by corporate to, like, fire a bunch of people, including Power Girl, and I don't, I still don't get why Power Girl is working at this place, um, when she's, like, Superman-level powerful, you know, uh, but, uh, it's still a fun book. This is definitely gonna read better as a trade, but it's fun, uh, and then I read New Burn by, uh, Chip Zdarsky and Jacob Phillips. Uh, and this is a cool, it's a cool concept for a series. Uh, I pretty much just bought it because Chip was putting it out. Uh, but it's about like this guy who's like a kind of a private detective slash lawyer, I think, who works for all the mob families. He's like an independent contractor who works between like all of the major families in the mob in New York and he's like kind of, he used to be a cop so like the cops kind of put up with him and like none of the families like touch him you know so he's like the perfect middleman to solve like all of their issues that they need handled like that uh and it's a pretty cool little world that they're doing and like all of the issues they're trying to make uh be like little one and done stories so you don't have to read all of them but if you do read all of them of course you get like this whole like tapestry laid out for you but this is one where i kind of wish it wasn't just a one and done because this this story is about like a serial killer who was killing people from the mob like in each family and so like all the families wanted new merton to like figure out who it was and like it's still pretty satisfying like when they found out who it is and like how they lay out the story but i i feel like it could have been cool to like have this over a few issues and like build up some intrigue and like learn more about like how these gangs like feel about each other through like the tensions caused by this uh serial killer in their ranks or i guess <laughs> spoilers it's someone in their ranks they uh they didn't know that at the beginning so yeah newburn number three uh four stars good crime comp good crime comic recommend it then it read spider woman 19 
uh, by Carla Pacheco and Pere Perez. Uh, this is a fine issue. I don't really feel like I need to go too into it. It's still like a tie-in for that Devil's Reign uh, event that's happening, and it's just like Spider-Woman fighting Vernaki? Uh, Vernaki? I don't know how to say her name. Vernaki? Whatever. Um, who's a... She's the scroll who, like, impersonated Spider-Woman for the longest time, like, uh, when we found out about that back in, like, Secret Invasion. And so it's mostly just her fighting her. Captain Marvel shows up at one point. It's cool. But then at the end, it, like, reveals that there's some other, like, secret team that wants to take down Spider-Woman, the Anti-Arachnine, <laughs> which is a, a great name for a team. Uh, so yeah, oh, it's a fine book. Um, four stars. I think I'm giving everything four stars this week, pretty much. Uh... Then Daredevil, Woman Without Fear, number two of three. Uh, and this was good. Fucking great art. Uh, Rafael De La Torre. He's great. Chip Zdarsky on writing again. Uh, Chip has a good handle on her character. This Most of the issue is about her feelings about Matt, Matt Murdock and how Matt Murdock's always been her weakness and her, like, uh, and throughout all of her, like, trials, you know, where she's, like, when she's, like, becoming an assassin to be part of a hand the hand and all that shit and yeah i don't know it's a fine book and the fucking electra her daredevil suit fucking rules i think i said this last time but uh they need to make an action figure uh, a doll of this uh this version of electra soon it's very cool so yeah four stars for that and then uh, dark knights of steel number four uh and this one's cool this is a uh, this is the tom taylor book where it's like dc but uh medieval like game of thrones dc uh and it's just a lot of fun this world is really cool they um spoilers for this but like the hook of it is like krypton blows up like 500 years earlier in this universe or whatever the fuck and instead of just being cal in the rocket it's cal and his parents get to earth and this is the issue where we like learn what they did like they tried to live in secret but then they were like living in the forest like secretly next to like the wayne kingdom and so then they help save the wayne kingdom whenever like a random volcano pops up and this leads to the elves becoming like friends with the waynes and then uh Jor-El ends up having an affair with Martha Wayne and then that's how we end up getting Bruce and we learned we learned in like the first issue that he's like half Kryptonian so this is like explaining how that happened and and then we also get the reveal that like Lex Luthor was the Wayne's advisor who didn't want to trust these like weird super powered people from the forest and uh but whenever like we learned that the volcano was real and that they save them, like, Luther gets, like, cast out in shame, and he ends up finding a rock with a green thing in it, and at first you think it's kryptonite, but then the surprise reveal at the end of the issue is that he actually found the Green Lantern ring, and he's also been driven mad, so he's, like, Green Lantern Luther Joker, <laughs> uh, which is ridiculous, but I feel like it, it really works when you're, like, you're already mixing the Wayne family and the L family, so it makes sense to, like, mix their two biggest villain into one, uh, and then with a the little green green lantern ring cherry on top. Uh, so yeah, this is it's a really fun series. It's gonna be a good one. Like I feel like this is gonna sell a lot whenever they finish the twelve issues and they're selling like the big hardcover of it. Uh, people people should like this one. Yeah, uh, four stars again. Uh, and then I read the third volume of that She Hulk run that I've been getting from the library. Uh, uh, the one from like 2016 by Mariko Tamaki. Uh, and I've been kind of hard on this series. Uh, uh, but I will say it's kind of a shame that it got canceled with this one because it kind of it finally felt like they were uh hitting their stride. You know, Tamaki finally got a 
hold on the character. Uh, the last issue was drawn by Diego uh, Olortengui. I pronounced that wrong for sure. Uh, but his art is great and really fits with the vibe. So I wish those two could have like stayed a team and gone on for a while. And like, I'll admit though, maybe I just feel like this issue hit it or this volume hit a stride because we finally had Jen Walters being back to like green She-Hulk. She had like mostly she had processed all of her trauma from Civil War II when Bruce died and she got like almost killed by Thanos and all of that. So maybe I was just like reacting to finally seeing the version of the character that I actually know and care about. Uh but this is still it's a fine volume. It's a good ending to this run. So, you know, more of a 3.5, but I gave it 4 to be nice. Uh, then I read The Question Pipeline by uh, Greg Rucka and Cully Hammer. Uh, and this is a fun little crime book. It's the version of The Question that is Renee Montoya, who is one of my, she's one of my favorite characters in street-level characters, I guess, in DC. Mostly because I really like Gotham Central. That's a great comic. Uh, so this is, we got Renee as the question, and she's, uh, and in this book, she ends up teaming up with Huntress, uh, Helena Bertinelli. And um, yeah, it's fun. They're like tracking down a, uh, I think it's like a trafficking ring. Yeah, it's like just like a general crime ring that her and the question and Huntress are tracking down. And I wish they had stayed a little more grounded. It ends with like the big bad being Vandal Savage, who's like the immortal motherfucker who's always around DC doing some stupid thing. And this was like him like inflicting sin on people. I don't know. There's like a weird religious tone because this spins out of convergence and there was a whole big magic thing that happened. And so there's like a weird religious overtone to the whole thing with Vandal Savage that I can't quite remember. Oh, it's because he he literally has the mark of Cain on him. And so it ends with like him wanting to do a ritual to get rid of the mark of Cain and put it over onto either Renee Montoya or um Huntress. And like spoilers, it ends where like it's probably on Renee, but but since she's wearing like the question blank face mask, you can't see it, so who knows if the ritual worked or not. But yeah, it's a fun book. The art's fun. Maybe a little too cartoony, but it works. But it would have been nice to get a Greg Rucka series, like a longer series with him writing the Question and Huntress, or this team of Question and Huntress, like, teaming up. I feel like that would have been a pretty cool book. It's a shame we didn't, uh, we didn't get that. Oh, man. And then, so that was a little crime book. The next one's a big crime book <laughs> that uh, I've been chipping away at for the past few weeks, and I finally finished it. It, it was uh, Stray Bullets by david lapham the uh the uber alice edition uh and man this is like it's a big omnibus it's like a thousand and one hundred pages or something and like i kind of feel like this book might have had like a a stockholm syndrome effect on me because it's pretty rough and a lot of the characters are just so like over the top bad that it's like hard to relate to them or like care but uh but he does end up like by the end like the main like girl that we've been following who's been kind of our through line through this like big weaving world of like crime and like poor people trying to get by uh that Lapham was like made for us uh Virginia like by the end like I want to know where she's gonna go next and what she's gonna do um and there's like a, a like sequel I guess to this or like there's a next volume that I think that it's at the library waiting for me right now um but yeah it's just like it's a pretty solid if you like crime comics uh 
if you like black and white, like indie comics, you should, you should check this out. It's cool stuff. Uh, I don't know if I recommend getting it in this big omnibus, the Uber Alice edition, because uh, it is like fucking heavy and hard to read. Like I couldn't, I couldn't like lay down and read it because it'd be like resting on my sternum and it like felt like it was, it was like hurting me almost like resting there. But yeah, it's a, uh, it's cool stuff and I'm excited to read the, um, uh, more of it when I go get those books from the library soon. Uh, and then I read, uh, the X-Files collection volume two this is a little trade that I picked up at, I think at comic bug down in Culver city. It was like a dollar for this uh and it was worth it it's a fine book it's like it's like the second volume i haven't read the first but like you can pretty easily jump in and figure out where you're going from this and it's mostly just like you know typical x-files shit there's a big conspiracy and like maybe Mulder found a helmet made out of quartz that'll let him talk to animals and or not animals aliens <laughs> and, and maybe this like guy who's a cannibal who gained knowledge through eating people was right about things and maybe he's just a just a loony uh that Mulder was listening to and then he had Scully being there being Scully like almost believing but not quite you know X-Files uh the art is serviceable it looks like them it's Charlie Adlard I think for most of them who uh went on to do most of the Walking Dead like everything except for the last six issues or the first six issues um so yeah you know if you like the X-Files it's a fine three-star book I should probably look for more x-files comics i've been meaning to also like reread or rewatch all of x-files it's been like fuck almost 20 years since i like when i was when we first moved to hawaii i was watching a lot of x-files at night because they would play like three episodes a night on tnt or whatever fucking station and that's how i watched most of the series i should probably i've been meaning to do that forever i just haven't had like the right motivation um Maybe that could be a series on consume once I finish the uh, Action Boy stuff. <laughs> oh, and speaking of like weird alien bullshit, on my walks that I do every day, I do like, I've been doing two walks a day trying to hit those 10,000 steps, you know. Uh, I walk by the big blue Scientology building every day. Uh, and it's just, it's such a weird vibe over there. <laughs> Especially when you, the days whenever you get to see all of the like, the young kids like that, the kids who moved to LA lo looking to be actors and end up getting suckered into this cult and they like sell their souls to this cult and they end up having to do like the groundskeeping for the big blue Scientology building. And so it's always these like young, like actor kids, like guys, girls, and like they don't, they don't look like they've ever held a tool before. They just look so weird, <laughs> like, trying to, like, prune these, like, giant bushes and shit and, like, watching them, like, try to push, like, a cart full of tool tools, like, they, like, hit the lip of, like, where the gate for the parking garage was and, like, two girls pushing it, like, couldn't quite get it over the lip and they didn't know that, like, oh, if you just, like, you know, if you just, like, put your weight on one side, you can, like, tip it over. But no, like, they both, like, awkwardly, like, squat down to, like, lift it up and, like, move the cart over the little lip. Uh, it was just funny. I also finally noticed that they have, like, a, a secret building that I'd never noticed before. I mean, it's not, like, secret, but, like, kind of adjacent to the blue building, like, kind of, like, a half block away. There's this building that's, like, surrounded by, like, fence, and it has, like, tarp over the fence that like it kind of like it always made me think there was like a little construction area and like something was getting built there I just never really thought about it until I saw someone come out of the gate this like one of the Scientology women they're wearing like the usual uniform of like a white button-down shirt with like a sweater over it like a navy blue sweater and like their black slacks and she's like wearing gloves and she's like carrying a box of like accounting stuff 
out of there. And then like the next day, I noticed a guy in like in a suit go into the building. He was also wearing gloves, which is weird. Not like latex, like COVID gloves, like gloves. And he went to like open the door and he had to put in like a key code to like open this door to go to this like building and it's like a building that's also painted blue like all the other scientology buildings in the neighborhood i just never like noticed that it was blue it's like more faded so yeah it like makes me wonder like what's going on in that building i want to find out but i'm not going to talk to any of them and i don't want to break in but yeah it's weird shit and then speaking of weird shit our last book uh for the week i watched <laughs> i watched i keep saying that i read the incal 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 by um alejandro jodorowsky and drawn by movie mobius i'm having a hard time speaking this week uh and so this is like one of those comics like people talk about i don't know where it was first published it feels like a heavy metal thing um and like mobius is like you know a legendary comic artist that people talk about jodorowsky makes fucking weird movies like holy mountain uh which i watched a long time ago and didn't care for uh and this is it kind of emblematic this with this i did not care for this book i think i got it from the library because it was like announced that taika watiti is gonna like direct the movie adaptation of this and so i was like okay i should read this before that happens and i guess i'm glad i did but like the writing was just rough like i just don't really think i cared i like had to force myself to like get through this book today uh because it's a lot of like it's kind of hacky to compare any like weird metaphysical like wacky ideas about reality comics to anything grant morrison does but it felt like grant morrison stuff but like made out of cardboard you know like morrison already doesn't have the most heart uh in their stuff but like sometimes he does and that's like why i like him because there is like a little bit of humanity in there but this is just like i just didn't relate to any of the characters a lot of like the lingo and like jargon for all these like aliens in these worlds like just kind of like washed over me and i just didn't it just wasn't it was hard to care about anything that was happening in this book and like it looked nice mobius is a great artist but it's just like i don't know it just all felt flat another thing that i feel like contributed to it is that they made the decision to have all of the characters all the word bubbles be squares instead of like ovals which like in like comic book language like a square word bubble means like someone who's like strict and like robotic like even in stray bullets there's one character in stray bullets who has squares for word bubbles and it's because he's like the big hulking like monster of a man they call him monster and he's just like a big like stoic um asshole and so everybody having like these square bubbles like makes everything feel like a, just a little more flat and distant um yeah, though, I guess I, I give it some leeway, though, because it did, like, hit, like, on a philosophical point at the end that I think about, and, like, when it ties into all of my, like, fear of, like, death and the nature of the universe thing is, like, where our main character, John DeFool, like, the whole universe, like, ends up, like, coalescing to this, like, one point, and, like, he discovers that, like, the uh, universe was, like, made by, like, a god who's, like, this big, like, golden dude, and then everything in the universe like comes into like a cosmic like oneness and becomes like a baby and gets reborn again but our main character is like the one person on the outside who like it has to be the witness to like this happening and like even like he even says like i don't want to be like in like one with the universe i want to be the me and myself which is something i relate to because like even those like because all those things about how like you know if there is like some like deeper like cosmic thing like we're all like part of like one thing and like say when we die if we don't like just stop existing like was what probably happens uh we all like join 
in like to one being like that means I won't I still won't have my identity and I won't be me and I won't like know me as me really and I don't like that because I like me I like being me you know so yeah that metaphor that metaphor is like never been comforting <laughs> like the line in Ariel's by System of a Down like life has a waterfall you know we're all in together and, and then we're all together again after the fall or whatever the fuck. I'm not going to look up the lyric right now. Um, but yeah, it was kind of nice to see like a narrative, like touch on that in a cool way. I guess not nice isn't the right word. More, more interesting than anything. And it's like, and John DeFoole, like a kind of like scummy, uh, character and just kind of a jackass. So it was like, maybe me who is also a white jackass could be the cosmic witness who gets to sit outside of the of the universe one day and stay me as things are re reincarnated and reborn um but you know probably not so <laughs> fucking uh three star no yeah i gave it three stars i would give it 2.5 honestly for like my enjoyment of reading this but uh since mobius's art is good i will i will be nice and i round it up to three instead of rounding down to two since the good reads system doesn't let you do half stars and yeah all right that's it for uh part one of this week's pod i feel like i already talked a lot i could probably just release this but well, i won't i'll be back tomorrow and i'll talk about some movies all right later okay hey guys we're back part two for this week uh i almost didn't record tonight because i'm so fucking tired right now it's a combination of like today's a really fucking hot day it got up to like 85 and so my apartment is still warm of course and you know I've been doing like trying to get 10,000 steps a day so I've been doing two hour long walks a week a day I mean and my second walk was like at two so like when it was really hot and I've been trying to do like a body weight workout just doing it three times a week for now but I did it this morning and uh doing uh 50 push-ups and squats and shit uh I'm not used to it, <laughs> especially the squats. My quads are fucking so sore. It's hard to walk. Uh, yeah, besides that, you know, it's the usual Wednesday. Went and got my comics. Uh, picked up pizza because today is National Pizza Day and Dexter's always a sucker for those things. So we went and got the new, like, spicy pizza from Pizza Hut. And it was fine. We did, like, a veggie with half pepperoni, and they put pepperoni on two-thirds of it, so I only got two slices, which is probably for the best. Also, I went and, like, Dexter paid for it, and I went to go pick it up. And, uh, there's only two people working at this Pizza Hut, and the guy in the kitchen just had his mask just fully below, like, tucked under his chin. And I'm sure that is the case at, like, a good amount of these fast food places I work, I, I go to. But I don't see it, and so seeing it, like, puts that anxiety in my head. Um, I'm sure it's fine, but I'm also sure I'm gonna get, like, stress-induced, uh, phantom COVID symptoms soon. We'll see, or maybe, hopefully, I just forget about it in a couple days. Oh, also today, me and Dexter watched Murderville, that, uh, TV show. It's a new show on Netflix with, like, Will Arnett is a cop, and the whole gimmick of the show is that they bring in a different comedian for each episode who's gonna be improvising and be, like, kind of guided through a case by Will Arnett's, like, fuck, fucked up detective character, and they have to try and figure out a, a murder. Uh, it's a fun show. It's cute. Uh, I'd recommend it if you want something light and fun to watch. The Conan O'Brien and the Kumail Nanjiani episodes are probably the funniest. Marshawn Lynch was pretty good, too. Okay, 
And then into the consume part. I'm supposed to talk about movies, but I forgot some of the books uh, that I was supposed to talk about. Because I think even yesterday I even mentioned that I had read an actual book, uh, but I didn't actually get around to saying my review of it. And it was um, All of the Marvels, A Journey to the Ends of the Biggest Story Ever Told by Douglas Walk. I mentioned I was reading this last week and I finally finished it. Uh, and it's really fucking good. It's just like an amazing uh, Douglas Walk. He uh, read every Marvel comic from 1961 with like Fantastic Four number one and ending in 2017 about. Um, and yeah, he's just a really good uh, guide through the quote unquote mountains of Marvel. Uh, and it's just like if you're interested in just like the history of like Marvel, it's not there is stuff about the publishing, but it's mostly about the story. And, like, he does a great job of, like, interconnecting and, like, finding these themes. And, like, he'll give you, like, an o it's like a chapter. It'll be, like, an overview of a character. And he'll, like, be talking about comics. And he'll, like, jump from, like, decade to decade of, like, different comics and explaining, like, how they fit into the this character's story. Uh, I don't know. It was just really cool. He, like, talked about a bunch of stuff, of course, that, like, I already knew. But he also, like, highlighted some, like, hidden gems that I had never heard of or like would have thought to read like apparently the original masters of kung fu series is like really good uh so i want to find that and read that now um also i like the i don't know if it fully works but i like that he tried to frame the the story of marvel like this half million page story that's been told might be about this like really small background character uh linda carter the night nurse because in like the late 50s there's a bunch of nurse comics and around the same time there's like monster comics and so there's a story about a nurse who like starts training at like the general hospital and she doesn't really show up again until like the early 2000s whenever uh they use the linda carter character to become the night nurse who is like the underground nurse who like treats the superheroes and i like that i just like trying to use this small character as like the uh the backbone of like the marvel story it's fun and it, it's like the last chapter of the book is really cute because it like talks about how this spun out of like his son uh showing an interest in comics and like wanting to read every marvel comic and so that's how this whole thing started uh oh it's a cool book five stars definitely i would definitely recommend it if you have any interest in like marvel or comics in general also before we move on for books uh a lot of like comic creators announced new books on substack new uh new comics brian k vaughn's doing a good one and uh Tom King and Elsa Chartier, they're ones that they, they're putting out a subset called Love Everlasting is really cool. It's like using romance comics as like a framework for this like sci-fi uh, story. Uh, definitely recommend checking those out. They're free. You can find them on Substack. Chip Zdarsky too, his Substack. He's like doing a comic called Public Domain that he's uh, writing and drawing about... Uh, about like comic creators uh and it's a really nice story and of course it's chip so he gets you like immediately attached to these characters and two issues where i immediately care about all of them uh yeah it's gonna be fun following these uh free stuff sub stack comics um that's it for books i guess before i jump into movies uh i should mention i like i don't talk much about my music consumption here because i just haven't like thought of a good way to work in reviews for them and like because i want to like if i'm reviewing them i want to like sit and like only listen to the music so i can really focus on it and i just haven't been able to fit that into my like schedule that i've imposed for myself so uh but the big like news for my music consumption is i made the switch from spotify to title um because you know 
gotta rack up the vocal points wherever I can. Uh, and like, I've always kind of had an issue with Spotify. Like I knew it was bad, but I've just become so dependent on it and using it as like my system of playlists and everything that I like was justifying not, uh, giving it up. Cause like I, I buy stuff from Bandcamp. I try to support the artists I really like as directly as possible whenever I can. But like, you know, then there's this whole, the whole like Joe Rogan bullshit. It just like put too much of a spotlight, like made it too much of like this cultural lightning rod where I just don't really, it just made me think more about how I didn't like that I was using their service. And then title, uh, taking advantage of this situation is like offering three months for a dollar. Uh, so I did it, signed up for title. I used one of those like services to like a website that'll transfer your music library. I had to pay for the premium version cause they'll only transfer 500 tracks, uh, for free. So I paid 450 to transfer all 41,000 <laughs> things in my library apparently. Uh, and so like that, I just like let that run and it took like a movie and a half for it to finish. I like watched all of police story while I was waiting for it. Um, and then when it ended, I still had 18,000 missing things, but thankfully they let you download a spreadsheet. And so then the next day I like took a couple hours of like going through the spreadsheet and like finding everything. Cause a lot of the stuff that didn't copy, uh, was just because like the names didn't line up for some reason, like some formatting reason. So it actually has most of the things I'm missing. I got it down to just like 199 uh, missing items. And none of them are like real glaring. Like the few that I would miss, I already have on Bandcamp. The only like big popular music blind spot the title has is Ramstein, <laughs> which is unfortunate. Uh, but like Ramstein wasn't even on Spotify really until like a year or two ago. So their whole distribution sums up with their their label uh distribution but yeah it was like a fun little project to make that move and organize it and it does actually sound better on title i like at first thought it was just like a placebo effect and it was like bothering me but like i did some back and forth comparisons and i've been listening to it and it actually does feel like more uh robust like a fuller and like warmer sound um works really nice with my nice headphones i have so yeah, that's that. And now uh, let's move on to the fucking the main event, the movies for this week. This is, and it's the fewest movies uh, so far for this year because I pretty much only watched one a day this whole week. So there's two days where I did two in a day. Uh, so yeah, so not too many this week, which is kind of nice. So first up, I watched Donnie Brasco from 1997 with uh johnny depp and al pacino and there's a bunch of great actors in this mike madsen <laughs> mike madsen michael madsen bruno kirby Anne hache does a great job in this uh paul giamatti and uh tim blake nelson and so yeah this is like it's a pretty cool uh mob movie it's like it feels a little more it's based on a real story of a guy going undercover johnny depp is going undercover and he befriends Al pa he befriends Al Pacino's character, uh, Lefty, uh, which is a great nickname. I wish I wish my nickname was Lefty. I'm left-handed. Come on. Apparently, one of his nicknames is also Horsecock, and that's a that's a good nickname too. Um, yeah. So he befriends Al Pacino, and then the whole movie is just him, like Johnny Depp, trying to balance his personal life while becoming actually attached to these mob guys and still trying to do work like work for the FBI and stuff. Uh, and it's good. 
I like that it doesn't like focus on the crimes necessarily that they do. It's a lot of the like daily minutia of being these mob guys and it just makes it look miserable because a lot of them just like sitting around a bar and trying to figure out like what scams they're going to do next and like review talks about like how they're all doing all these scams and like work because they owe money to the guy above them so they have to pay like three thousand dollars a week to this guy and then that guy has to pay like you know more money up to a higher up guy so it's just like a big like pyramid scheme thing and it just makes <laughs> looks like it makes it look like being in the mob it's just like a miserable miserable awful experience but yeah it's just like a, there's a lot of like great small little scenes like there's a scene where Johnny Depp is trying to explain to Paul Giamatti and Tim Blake Nelson they're also like FBI agents he's trying to explain to them what forget about it means uh and that's just a nice little scene uh yeah all of Al Pacino's performance is amazing he's like over the top but like in the best way uh it's like a real sad performance might be like one of Al Pacino's best performances honestly you really see every side of this uh sad mob man there's also a scene that i really liked like one of the few actual action uh scenes in this is like uh al pacino michael madsen and bruno kirby are like waiting in the this dark basement for these guys because like these guys think that they set up al pacino and them for a hit and they're gonna take them out are they're about to go like hit them at a meeting but al pacino and them are getting the jump on them and there's just like these three character actors are just like having this like bullshit conversation as they're walking down the stairs into this trap there's one line in it that i really liked where he's like he's never not going and he's like he's never know what's gonna he's never gonna know what hit him that's do not or no it's just he'll never know what hit him that's do not and it's just i like do not it's such a great fucking uh word and then like right after this like the lights go on and he does like a real good like oh no it's just you gotta watch the scene my tired recreations aren't gonna do it justice uh it's just a good scene um so yeah four stars for donnie brosco uh and then i watched robocop and like i had i wasn't sure if i had watched this before or if i knew a lot about it from cultural osmosis but watching it again i did recognize like most of the scenes so i feel like this was on while i was at someone's house and i just wasn't paying attention uh which is a shame because it's a fucking it's a good movie like honestly for such a like ridiculous concept and movie it's way more like deftly handled than i remember uh like everything just works and it just feels like a really smart satire on like where america could go and yeah it's just like all the performances are great like peter weller does a great job fucking kurtwood smith read from that 70s show he of course is doing a great job uh the soundtrack is amazing who's the composer i should say his name uh basil polidorus uh yeah he the music in this is just really good um and yeah and so this the first this first one like it does a good job of making you know that like corporations are the bad guys and like the system is like fucked up you know which we'll get into in a second but i watched robocop 2 and they don't handle that as definitely in it um yeah and it's just like a good story about like a man who dies in the line of duty and they bring him back as this robocop and then him like trying to find his humanity again and it like and it ends with him like saying like identifying like that he is murphy and not just robocop uh which is like a cool i don't know it's just like a nice way to end it man i'm so fucking tired my i can't even think of a good way to summarize anything but oh well (laughs) we're just gonna plow on through uh so yeah four stars for robocop (laughs) 
Oh, one thing I put in my notes to talk about when I got to RoboCop is that a long time ago, uh, there was like a trip where I went to visit my friend Renee, who did the art for this podcast. Um, she, uh, we were like hanging out at her house and I, and I was like, we had nothing to do. So we just like got drunk and then there was this website that I was reading, a like nerd news website that I would read all the time called Topless Robot. And they did this thing called Fan Fiction Friday where... The guy who runs the site would find a ridiculous fanfic and then like do commentary on it. And so we would just like read these fanfics out loud to each other. And the one that always stuck in my mind the most is a, was a RoboCop Batman fanfic that was just so fucking stupid and ridiculous. The only thing I remember is like RoboCop had to, he had like a dick attachment and he had to like check it out from the equipment room for weekends. And when him and Batman inevitably hook up, he like doesn't have his, uh, his dick attachment. He uses a smoke grenade instead and it like goes off while he is inside Batman. (laughs) Uh, just real stupid shit. Uh. There's also a really bad one where Wolverine fucks a Transformer. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> so that's that's RoboCop. Four stars for RoboCop. And then RoboCop 2, Not it's definitely a step down. This is a three-star movie. Like, it's still kind of fun, but it just, like, misses the point of the first one in a lot of ways. Because we ended the first one with, like, RoboCop being like, no, I am Murphy, you know? And, like, I'm a human and I'm gonna, like, do my fucking cop job but like this most of this movie is again he's like back to being like there's like psychologists like drilling him about like is he a man is he a robot and he's like kind of like stalking his ex-wife or his widow i guess so yeah it's just it's just too much about like robocop and like who he is or in this like mental dilemma that we felt like it was already solved by the first movie we didn't need to really rehash it and then also instead of like the court the corporation is still the bad guy in this but there's just a lot more of like robocop just like killing junkies and like small-time criminals and stuff in this one and the story of this was written by frank miller (laughs) the uh infamous uh comic book writer i want to say like whenever i saw the frank miller wrote this i want to be like oh of course well that makes sense but i feel like that's just a gut reaction i don't really actually know what i mean by that (laughs) uh but it does kind of feel like a frank miller story apparently this like they edited a lot and there's like a comic book that's a more accurate adaptation of frank miller's robocop that i'll probably try to read someday but i'm not gonna make it a priority also there's like a legit robocop 2 in this like they try to make another robocop and of course they make it more inhuman and they use this criminal master like kane who's like the main bad guy played by tom noonan they use his brain in this and like the scene where they like cut out his brain and like then they put his like head in a jar and like it's just his head with his eyes and like they show his head like his eyes like his head empty head thing thing uh that freaked me out of course did not did not like that um so yeah it's just a step down the effects weren't as good oh i didn't say in robocop one like they use a lot of stop motion like for ed 209 and stuff and the stop motion is really cool it's like it's definitely dated like you can tell it's not like a smooth believable transition but it's still like really fun to watch like more fun than like some boring bland like cgi uh fight that they would do now like i'm probably never gonna watch the fucking they rebooted robocop in like 2013 i think don't plan on watching that uh yeah also weirdly i feel like robocop was like in the zeitgeist a lot this week and i don't know why i don't 
I didn't see like what prompted it. I just felt like I saw a bunch of people on Twitter talking about RoboCop. It's like a weird uh, synchronicity thing <laughs> with me and my Twitter timeline. Okay, what's next? Oh, looking at my notes, one thing I wanted to mention in Donnie Brasco, it's technically a Christmas movie. There is a scene on Christmas and you see the house decorated. And there's one thing I maybe want to, I feel like in a lot of these old movies that have Christmas in them, it shows the families like decorating the tree on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, which is so weird to me. Like, I know, like, now it's, like, we get ready for it too early and, like, stores play fucking Christmas music starting in August. But, like, was that a thing back then? Did they not start decorating for Christmas until, like, the week of? Because in my mind, it's, like, December 1st. That's when you get all your Christmas shit up. Also, I mean, I was raised Catholic and there's a whole Advent thing, so maybe that's part of it? I don't know. It just, it just felt weird. It, like, stood out to me when I was watching uh, Donnie Brasco. But anyway, speaking of Christmas, <laughs> next, next movie next movie is actually a christmas movie uh die hard 2 and this movie's fun it's fucking ridiculous it is so convoluted and over the top and they try to like make you feel better about that by having john mcclain like comment on it throughout you know like how does this happen to the same guy twice and like that kind of shit uh but i don't know <laughs> it's just it's such a like ludicrous premise like John McClane, New York cop, who is now an L.A. cop because he moved there to be with his wife uh, and daughter after this first movie. He's in Washington, D.C. because they're going to visit the in-laws. He's there first with his kids, but his kids are with the in-laws. But John McClane is at the airport where he is waiting for Holly, his wife, to get in. Uh, while John McClane's waiting, he ends up noticing that there's a terrorist plot. He sees some sus suspicious things going on, and he gets drawn into this whole thing where these mercenaries are shutting down the airport so that they can uh, get a general from Valverde, the like fake nation that's in a lot of these old action movies. Uh, as general played by Franco Nero, uh, Django himself. Uh, they're shutting down the airport so they can get him. And then it's just John McClane, like, you know, doing a John McClane thing, getting all wrapped up in this terrorist plans, ideas. Uh, and it's just so overwrought and uh, silly, but it's so, it's still like fun. So it, it gets away with it for the most part. Uh, it's a really good time throughout i mean he fucking stabs a guy in the eye with an icicle that's pretty sweet uh and there's some great explosions in this like they blow up two different planes in this uh especially like the first plane the one that uh the bad guys like trick them into thinking the ground is lower than it actually is so that they come in for landing but then they crash into the ground which makes no sense because there's so many redundancies that would stop you from being able to do that. But like when that plane hits and explodes, it's just like this bright orange fireball that fills the screen. And it's such a different color from the rest of the movie that like you really like feel the intensity of it. It's a cool explosion. But yeah, so Die Hard 2, uh, Die Harder, um, three and a half stars. It's fun. They like hit all the things you want. John McClane's good. They let him go a little too far with the one-liners and two-liners and shit and the ADR one-liners. I should have reined them in a little bit, but that was one of the things people liked from the first movie, so you gotta do it. And the, uh, the Christmas, the, like, Let It Snow ending still hits. So, um, so yeah, fun movie. And then going into a movie that was not so fun for me, Bad Boys from 1995. And I, uh, I've watched this movie when I was a kid, and I didn't like it then, because one of the main things, so... 
We got Martin Lawrence and Will Smith. Martin is Marcus. Will Smith is Mike. Um, so they get drawn and there's like a, these bad guys like do a heist and they steal a bunch of heroin from the evidence room at the police station. And then they, so they're trying to like solve that to get some information. Will Smith goes to this girl who he knows that he's like kind of in love with who works as an escort, asks her to like keep an ear out for information. The escort like ends up finding a guy who has a bunch of money and drugs. So he, she goes and she brings her friend for some reason along with her for this like escort job. But of course they get there and it's one of the guys from the heist. And then the other guys from the heist show up and kill that guy and the girl. And then the friend who's been hiding in the bathroom, she like runs away. And because her friend said that the only person she would trust is Mike, Will Smith, that's the only person she'll talk to. But of course, while she's like talking on the phone to Martin Lawrence, or she calls the cops, she only gets Martin Lawrence and like, Will Smith is off doing some other investigating thing that, like, doesn't matter. Um, Martin Lawrence has to pretend to be Will Smith uh, while talking to her. And this is the thing I hate. I hate in movies, like, pretending to be someone you're not. Because I know that, like, in every movie they're just going to get caught. And so it just gives me anxiety. It just all feels unnecessary. And in this movie, it's like the whole, it's like the meat of the movie is this whole premise of, like, trying to make her believe that Martin Lawrence is actually Will Smith's character. And it just feels totally unnecessary. Like, it should have been, like, a joke for, like, two scenes. And then as soon as Will Smith is, like, back from whatever he's doing, they're done with it. They can explain it to her because they're all rational adults. But no, they have to keep it going the whole fucking time. And I don't know. When I was a kid, it gave me (laughs) a lot of anxiety. And this time, it just annoyed me. I didn't like it. And then a lot of the... It doesn't feel like anyone's acting in this. It all just feels like everyone's doing bits. And they're not funny bits. (laughs) They're just bits. And I don't know. It just didn't fucking work for me. It was just like a mostly annoying movie. Too much miscommunication. And, uh, yeah. And, like, Martin Lawrence is just annoying in this movie. I couldn't, I can't remember. I feel like as a kid I watched Martin and I thought it was funny. But I don't, I don't know. Maybe I need to revisit that. And apparently Bad Boys 2 is the good one, so I should watch Bad Boys 2 at some point, I don't think I ever watched it, but you know, speaking of two, Bad Boys, that's the the stars that I'm giving (laughs) Bad Boys, just two stars, there's still some kind of fun stuff in it, and it's Michael Bay, so there's some explosions and shit, so whatever, they did crash two Shelby Cobras for this movie, which is kind of fucked up, okay, next up, now this, this isn't actually a, a movie, per se, uh, it's a YouTube video, but I put it in my notes, I wanted to mention it, because I really enjoyed it, so there's this guy, White Light, who does these, like, long video essays on video games, and so he put out Batman Arkham City, the review movie, three hours and ten minutes long, which is ridiculous, <laughs> but, uh, I watched the whole thing, and I fucking, I loved it, if you played Arkham City, uh, and enjoyed it, I highly recommend going back to this, because it's, like, it's like it's a great like look back 10 years later and trying to figure out like why we like Arkham City is the one that everyone calls a masterpiece of the series uh yeah and he's just like he just does a great job of like weaving it in together it's like he's a British guy and so like his accent gives him like this air of like authority you know uh, he sounds like he knows what he's talking about and he does but he's like he's a young guy so he like throws in some like kind of cringy like modern jokes every once in a while but i feel like it works i like it's like a little like release valve on like the uh 
how serious most of his um tone is whatever uh but yeah i definitely recommend checking that out if you like Arkham city it's a uh, it's an amazing video <laughs> uh really made me want to go back and play it it's so wild that like i remember when that came out that came out the first time that i tried to live in la in 2011 and i remember like this was i didn't have a job a lot, a lot like now i didn't have a job i was living in an apartment with like five other dudes uh and like my friend who one of my friends who had a job at a restaurant he bought it and he didn't get a chance to play it. and so i started playing it while he was at work and whenever he came home he saw that i was playing it and i was like dude oh this this is amazing i'll jump off you want to play right now but he was like too nice he's like no man you go ahead it's fine you can keep playing and i should have just jumped off and let him play but uh i still like think about that and feel bad <laughs> about it sorry blake um but yeah great game Anyways, next actual movie, uh, I watched New Year's Evil from 1980, because I'm still following the Action Boys list of movies, and so I got to where they did this for New Year's 2019, uh, and this is a canon movie, it's a, it's a horror movie, it's a slasher, and like, I wouldn't say, I don't want to say it's bad, but it is dull, it's just such a weird plot, like, it's about this woman who is a VJ, basically, she's hosting some like music, pro like public access music program where it's like a telethon. It's like Hollywood hotline, I think it's called. And so they're doing like a New Year's uh, broadcast where they're playing. They have like these punk bands playing in Hollywood, but they're also broadcasting like from each time zone. I don't know. And then the whole, there's like also like a telethon aspect to it where people are calling in, like saying their favorite song of the year. And then this guy calls in. He calls himself Evil. And he uses like a voice thing. Call me. Call me Evil. He like, that's what his voice modulator and he like makes his voice all weird. And so he's calling and he says he's going to kill someone at, on New Year's for every time zone uh, to like scare this woman who. Uh, blaze our uh host and then it's it's then it's weird because like then the movie like instead of following her it follows the bad guy for most of the movie like it just shows us his face like right away and him like making the kills so he becomes like weirdly the protagonist of the movie <laughs> there's even like parts where, like it shows him like struggling to find the like right victims for his kill and like not being able to like like struggling like to meet his deadline that he set for himself to kill someone <laughs> on the hour for you know three hours in a row i don't know and then it like turns out to be fucking spoilers turns out to be blaze's husband and he wants to kill women because blaze has been a bad mom to their son and like the son showed up early in the movie and he tried to tell his mom that he got a part in a tv show without anybody's help without saying that uh, she was his mom because i guess her name carries a lot of weight in hollywood uh <laughs> and yeah so because she treats her like ignores her son for her career this dad who's like unhinged uh has decided to kill women like explains it to her it's so weird he's just like once at the end when he finally like gets her and he's like explaining everything he's like i'm gonna kill you <laughs> and i'm gonna wake up and i'm gonna bring my boy to the rose bowl game and be a real dad <laughs> uh it's just it's just very weird it's just it's just so funny to have a slasher where we like just see the guy's face and follow him in this whole movie. He doesn't like put on a mask until the very end. And it's like a creepy mask too. They should have had used it more. So yeah, fucking two and a half stars for New Year's Evil. 
the band in the movie like plays a song called New Year's Evil too. And it's a pretty, it's actually like a fun song. But it's also like weird that they played the song like right after she got a call from a guy saying to call him evil. Like, I don't, you think she would be freaked out about that? And like, what's like the story? Like, why did they write that song? Like, did he know about that song? And that's why he called himself evil? Like, is it a popular song? Who knows? Who fucking knows? We don't need to worry about it. Next movie. <laughs> uh, I watched a uh, police story from 1985 Jackie Chan movie uh this was the second time I watched this first time I think it was like pretty shortly before the pandemic happened it was like one of the last times I went over to someone's house to like hang out and watch a movie was police story uh but uh it was fun revisiting it's just an all-around fucking great time Jackie Chan is the best he fucking rules there's so many stunts in this movie and they're like real stunts they all look cool as hell like the movie starts out with like them doing a, a bust on these criminals in this like shanty town on a hill in Hong Kong or not Hong Kong in China and since they like built the shanty town themselves they completely destroy it and they like drive like three cars through this shanty town down the hill just like taking out buildings and it looks fucking sweet and that leads into like this long stunt sequence of like Jackie Chan hanging off of a bus on a broom and I, I, it just rules the story and like the story is like kind of convoluted but it also like doesn't matter there's like a witness this girl who's a witness that like jackie chan has to like have under protective custody and like i don't know exactly what the bad guys want if it's like drugs or money and then they end up trying to like frame jackie for whatever uh i don't know there's a bunch of like tone shifts between like wacky like kind of rom-com stuff to like fighting to like this man on a mission like everybody's turned on jackie like thing and then there's like a whole like courtroom scene like very intense are supposed to be like intense but also funny courtroom scene like in the middle it's, it's like a little too long and yeah there's like a really fun like physical comedy part where jackie chan's like the only he gets like demoted to this like rural police station and he's the only person in the station where like, he keeps getting a bunch of calls so there's like a whole scene of him like rolling around on his office chair and like answering all these like landline phones and getting like wrapped up in the cords uh which is really funny but then also it's really weird because the people calling him like one of the people one person calling him lost a cow one is a woman who's a victim of domestic violence uh saying that her husband is like beating her and then like another woman calling to say that she got raped so it's like weirdly like heavy shit in this like comedy scene and then they try to like pull back from the rape thing by her like saying that she got like raped like a year ago and she's like just now calling about it and jackie chan suggests taking a pill i don't know it's weird uh but it's a funny scene <laughs> it's fun seeing him roll around and get wrapped up in all these phone cords and shit uh and then the final fight is in a mall and they like break all kinds of glass and there's like this big stunt where jackie chan like goes down a pole that's like wrapped in lights christmas lights there's christmas decorations in this mall so technically christmas movie uh he like slides down the pole and like lights are exploding all around him and apparently he like stopped breathing after this stunt after he like hit the ground but like you see that in like the bloopers is <laughs> not breathing as a blooper and then but then they also like in the movie they like replay this stunt like three times in a row from like different angles which is pretty sweet but yeah fucking four stars for police story like this is a great uh jackie chan movie it's on hbo max right now definitely definitely recommend uh watching if you haven't seen any of his, his like older stuff because i know for me the longest time like i'd only seen like rumble in the bronx and like a few of it and like rush hour and stuff you know 
So it's nice to go back and see this young Jackie stuff. Uh, and then our last movie, The Golden Child from 1986 with Eddie Murphy, Charles Dance, and Charlotte Lewis. Uh, fun movie. I like this more than I thought I would. It's like kind of a, uh, it's an interesting story, but it's weird. It's like there's this child, the golden child is born to these like Tibetan monks. And like this child has like powers and like can bring people from the dead and all this stuff. But then Charles Dance fucking, uh, the Lannister dad from Game of Thrones shows up and he has a bunch of weird thugs and I guess he's like working with the devil or something. They kidnap the golden child and then Charlotte Lewis, who's this like beautiful woman who works with the monks, uh, she's in LA and there's some like prophecy where some man in the city of the angels who is no angel will like save the golden child. And this of course is about Eddie Murphy who's playing uh, Chandler Gerald, weird name. Uh, who's just a guy who does missing children's cases, who's always like trying to track down and save missing children. I don't know what it's like if he gets paid from this. I don't know, but he's like is on a public access show, like advertising, like trying to find this girl. And that's where uh, our woman sees him. And then, that, you know, that's the movie. It's just Eddie Murphy, like dealing with how like wild this whole golden child and like magic existing thing is while uh, still being like as charming as ever uh throughout the whole movie he's not as funny as like in beverly hills cop which i think is good they also they like tweaked it and like made him funnier after like a few tests or something but uh which i kind of wish they didn't but you know whatever he's funny in this and he does the serious stuff good too uh yeah i don't know it's just a really fun time uh there's a lot of like every good like chinese character actors in this like james hong and uh and uh victor wong charlotte lewis is really fun in this too they give her like a lot of moments to like be a badass fighter uh which is pretty cool but of course they're like one of the fights they like she's wearing a white shirt and she gets sprayed down with water <laughs> just uh ridiculous but whatever it's kind of fun um yeah i don't know golden child 3.5 stars i enjoyed it more than i thought i would uh good la movie there's a really good <laughs> la montage at the beginning of the movie too that i really liked and that's it for this week um man i talked more than i thought i would tonight uh hopefully this edits down to a listenable link uh it is funny that i think i started out last night talking about like why do i even do this i'm not like trying hard enough i like barely pay attention or whatever and then now i'm recording tonight tired as fuck and mumbling through like not even explaining these movies and giving whatever whatever man we're here we're having fun i guess uh but yeah that's it for this week of consume i've been burton olivier at birdsor on everything if you have any questions comments uh recommendations which i realize i've been i've just been following this action boys list so it's kind of it's probably pretty limiting in the appeal of this i'm sure not everyone loves hearing about <laughs> silly action movies from the 70s to the early 90s uh so if you do actually have any recommendations and would like me to watch something different than action movies uh reach out let me know if you have anything specific or whatever and if you take the time to do that i will probably take the time to watch the movie uh and then talk about it next week or whatever all right that's enough. It's time I disappear.